0: heavy track today
1: yeah not vibing risky lettuce getting sinker vibes
0: i don't know says on the tab app she's firming don't just vibe it get expert tips in
1: tab's new race feed tab we're on what are you really gambling with on radio digital radio the app and streaming RSN's Racing Pulse.
0: The girls come around the corner, 350 metres to go, and it's still Dream Woman, now leaving the fence from Vandal, who's got a run. Masako's right there a length away. Then came Jude dance from Piccadilly Waltz in the straight at the 250. They're right across the track. Masako looms up, and here's Star Runner the grey pouncing on them at the 100. Star Runner ranged up, kicks away two, three lengths to Masako, and Star Runner won it well. Star Runner by three lengths to Masako
1: and Dream Woman. Oh, how well does that. Caller, call races? P- beautiful pitch, beautiful rhythm, and I speak of Ethan Mills, who joins us. That was his work yesterday at Kite, and well done, Ethan. How are you, mate? Yeah, thanks, Michael. Really appreciate it, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I, it looked it, and I thought the way .com did the coverage was great, having a chat to all of you guys in between races as well, so how often would you all gather um, to see each other?
0: Well, that was actually the first time ever that we've all been at the same place at the same time because, you know, you would have a few race callers, popping their heads in here and there for a race or two, like Ed Sadler going up with with Terry. I went up for my first two races at Moe with Terry, and you've got a few of the other boys going out with Adam O. So it's been, you know, in patches for the last couple of months, but our boss at Racing.com, Tristan Fernanda, came up with a great idea and to put us all in the same spot to hear, you know, eight or or so different voices during the
1: day, it was really exciting and it was a lot of fun. You'll go far. You're giving all the plaudits and credit to the boss, Tristan, there. So that's a very smart play. (laughs) He does a good job, Tris. So tell us what the experience was like and to have Matt Hill lead the team and kick it off with race number one. And then I I presume he stayed in the box and maybe gave you a bit of feedback and, and encouragement throughout the day.
0: Yeah, Maddie was uh, amazing. It was a bit of a surprise to see him out there at a kiton on a Monday, but he drove Josh Harriet myself up to Kitan, and we had a great chat before to to calm the nerves, a few tips here and there to to find out what we need to know before coming into it, but to understand how to call and and to have Maddie Hill there with with all of us not just myself mm. and Josh, it was it was just amazing because he called the first race. He, um, you know, was basically the captain of the team and, and, helped all of us set up all of our gear and what we need to know in terms of the technical side and all the pre and post analyst stuff before and after the race and it was it was just an incredible experience and i was so thrilled after afterwards to not only see everyone there but to speak to them get to know benny and ed and um and trav as well as patrick doyle dame barry and and of course josh it was
1: it was an incredible experience so from a technical calling point of view, what type of um, feedback or instructions, encouragement does someone like Matt Hill give you? Well, a lot of the time, Matty will just tell you to be yourself
0: and, and not to overthink it. The, the job never changes. Whether or not you're doing a benchmark 58 on a Monday or if you're doing a benchmark 78 on, on a Wednesday meeting, you're still doing the same job. There, there is added pressure, but you have to calm yourself you have to understand that you can do the job and as long as your concentration and confidence levels are high you you can do anything so when did racing and broadcasting first cross your mind well i thought i was a bit of a late bloomer because i had really no interest in racing at all i i was playing around with little horse toys going to the races with mum and dad when they were having a bet (laughs) but um when i was about 17 i um I started to realise that hey, you might be able to do this as a full time job, as, as a career. I I thought um, you know maybe uh, the the odd senior or something like that would go up and call a race on a Saturday, but I was I was completely wrong, and I had no idea that it was so thorough and the amount of concentration it takes, the the amount of practice that needs to go into it, because Matt said it, you know Matt said it so many times that Rome wasn't built in a day, and mm. I. You know, started to to call in front of the replays at the TV and yelling, uh, you know, yelling at home, and mum and dad were just about sick of it. But um, you know, slowly but surely progressing and and getting, uh, you know, uh, getting experience wherever I can, taking up as many commentating jobs as I could. It was a long, lengthy process,
1: but it's finally starting to to pay off. So, who was your first touch point um, when you go? I'm 17, I want to maybe have a look at this calling caper. Uh, how do you go
0: about it? Well, Mum and Dad, Susan and Simon, are great friends with Greg Miles and Alison. And they uh, have, have been friends for a long time. And they always meet up at uh, the Royal Victoria Motor Yacht Club down at Williamsdale. Oh, they're down. boaties as well, <laughs> are they? <laughs> and <laughs> I, uh, I spoke to Greg straight away and said, hey, how, how do I do this Greg what, what do I do and he said well we'll take you up to the spare broadcast boxes and see how you go and I was calling in you know into my phone and no one was listening and I was still as nervous as anything because mm. Greg's sitting right there yep. calling uh you know calling with me and giving me a few pointers but Greg's been an amazing help to me and he, he might be humble when I, I speak about it but not only to speak with him but to know that he's in your corner and to know that he's listening to, to new things coming up and, and different races that I'm calling, it's it really is a good boost to my confidence levels.
1: When did you know that you had the ability that could pursue this career? Because I, I know when I was a kid I mucked around um doing a few phantom fake calls, and I quickly realized that, no, this is too difficult. Um, I'll leave that to professionals because you have to have almost an innate ability. It's very hard to have little ability and train yourself. You're going to obviously get better, but if you can't do it and have that gift, I don't think you're ever going to make it to the top. So when did you realize that I've actually got a skill here that could be developed? Well, I I don't think it was just looking at myself.
0: It was more the love for the sport and the industry. Obviously, working with with Craig Williams as your social media manager, it's been a massive boost to my passion for the sport. And when I started to do a little bit of race calling at home and and trying to get some practice, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just yelling and and screaming uh, into my uh, TV at home. But when I stood you know, step back and, and thought, hey, this is something that I can really, you know, hone in on because it's it's all your ability. It's mm. There's no one else next to you to, to say, well, who is this and what's that horse and how do I say that? It's all on you. So I think that responsibility is what basically, you know, shined a light for me. I thought this is something that that's in my park. I can make the best of it and if I, you know, work as hard as I can – well, then I'm only going to get better and, and I can just do my best. So that's basically how I've, um, started to, to look at things and, in the early doors, I didn't didn't know how you know how I was going to end up or what it was going to be like,
1: but I just put my hand up and, and threw myself in the deep end. With young race caller Ethan Mills, if you want to ask Ethan a question, SMS is 0416 90 50 52. I'll give that Rubiera's gift voucher away just before the 11 o'clock news. There's a few SMSs coming through here. Uh, what a fantastic innovation, listening to the young race callers coming through. Yes, so that's from Mark. Another one saying, uh, can you ask Ethan what binoculars you use? Mm-hmm. Well, I was very, very lucky. Greg Miles, for my 18th
0: birthday, uh, got me some Carl Zeiss 10 by 50 binoculars, and they have been amazing. They have been the biggest lifesaver, and I have used them every single time I've called. Yeah, wow.
1: Because I'd imagine there could be, with the younger generation coming through, almost a a, a want to just call off a, off a TV screen, but using the old-fashioned binoculars looking through there, do you still find that that's the best way to pick up any race um, nuances and to see things clearly? Oh, 100%. 100%. You cannot rely on
0: uh, technology, basically. I, I've had a few instances where the TV's gone out more, mm. the, the PA... Ha, isn't working and I've got to mix with different things and the, the one thing I don't want to be worried about is if they're going to change a camera on me or if they're going to to not show the last horse or it's going to cut off you know, a different side or whatever. But you cannot go wrong with binoculars. You're, you're seeing these horses live. You're seeing them come around the corner. You can't miss anything. But when you're on a, a TV screen, they can be zoomed in. They can be zoomed mm. out. You can't see them. Horses are... are Plumped up, whatever the fact is, but it's just a lot of trust. You trust your binoculars, and this is what I've heard from from Matt and Greg. You have all the trust in the world
1: with you and your binoculars, and and that's the art of it. Having mentors like... Greg Miles and and Matt Hill is is brilliant. You're a very lucky young man, as all the race callers are. And there's an SMS saying, "Carl's these binoculars are not cheap." Greg's obviously a very generous man as well. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: he was he was um, no, he was very generous. Greg's absolutely amazing, and um, no, that, that was the best present I've ever ever
1: received. Uh, when you're at school, what were you thinking you'd do um, when you get older? Before race calling came, mm, well. <sighs> When I was
0: in year 11 and 12, I I just started to get into racing and I had a few little punts here and there and I got a little bit excited and I got interested in the sport and I put my hand up to do all the commentating at school. So we did a lot of athletics and swimming carnivals, uh, soccer tournaments, footy footy games, and I just put my hand up and said, hey, guys, can can I call them? And no one else wanted to, so I just started to slowly you know, um, getting to the commentating through sporting events at school. And then I thought, well, I can't just be a race caller. There's got, there's got to be something else. It can't be this easy. I can't just rock up and, and um, you know, talk for you know half an hour or whatever and then come home. I'm going to have to do something else. So I looked at every different angle that I could get in amongst the industry. And obviously Craig's been a massive help with me and it's kept that
1: passion alive and well. So actually we'll talk more about that. Craig Williams is who you're talking about and you're his social media manager. And I think everyone who follows I would say that you're doing an outstanding job, especially the videos and the content you brought us from those trips over to Ukraine as well. Yeah. Well, Craig and
0: I, we, we speak week in, week out about what we want to put out to the public. And I think it's really important that someone like craig williams does have a, a surface that he can speak to the to the wider public and with his project in ukraine it's it's ongoing it mm. it doesn't stop as you know it's been what his sixth trip off memory so not just him but his family are, are you know are greatly affected by what's been going on in ukraine and I think for me to be a tiny part of that, it's a privilege and I think the message does need to be heard. So Craig and I always have Ukraine as our top priority to, to show people and, and tell the people that have donated and, and contributed to the project of, of what's going on and and the, and the progress over there. Yeah, He's done
1: an outstanding job and just give the listeners an insight into what he's like to produce. If you say, now Craig, I just want 30 seconds on this, how do you actually... Keep him within that limit
0: (laughs) it's um no craig's 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 amazing he um he doesn't make my job hard at all he he you know gives me all the responsibility he says what do you want to do what do you want to put out i'll send you some some stuff to 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 put out if you like you can edit it you can have Mm -hmm. fun with it so he he does give me uh, all the responsibility and i think that's the best part about it because we can talk through it what we want to put out what do we want people to see and you know, Craig's always saying how, how much he loves all the, the Craig cam videos and, and the likes. So as long as
1: Craig and Lacer are happy, I'm happy. Yep, that's great. For you, um, are you going to follow in the footsteps of what Matt Hill does, who loves calling footy as well as racing, and he keeps his mind nimble and sharp and himself fresh for race calling by doing so many other mm sporting events from olympics to heading overseas is that a goal that you have as well Ethan? i want to keep my options
0: open but i really do love race calling it's the thrill and the excitement and the adrenaline that you get because jockeys and and the horses are are having an adrenaline rush on the track but a race caller can feel that as well you can feel the excitement you know as they come to the corner you're describing the action to all the audience and, and that's my greatest pleasure i love calling amateur football with josh harriet and uh, calling some athletics which ed sadler's given me a couple of opportunities to do and they're, they're a lot of fun but they're nothing like race mm. calling so i'm just going to keep my options open and and see what the future holds but basically um i've got my toe in in the racing game and i don't think i'm going to be getting out anytime shortly
1: i'm fascinated with any caller how you go about memorising the horses and the colours? Because in in, in any one race day, you might have a hundred different names, a hundred different colours to to learn. How do you go about that process? Well, I I think uh, I just
0: follow what Greg said. Preparation prevents poor performance. If you know your horse's names, you know the colours, they're the tip of your tongue. When they come to the, you know, come to the barriers, you've got to be covering all corners of the race every story everything that can happen and it is a live sporting event you can't script anything you can't anticipate what's going to happen you just have to call it as you see it and if you have every, all the information beforehand then it's very hard to go wrong because you know what can happen you know that there's a story somewhere whether it's a um, you know a, a trainer a jockey or an owner who's had this horse and um, you, you, there's always narratives that can be told and if you have all this, the information in your pocket, well, then you can describe the action, uh, basically as, uh, as you like. So how much prep would you put into a race day? Well, if it was a race day like Kitan, it would be all day the day before. So at 10 o'clock, you'd be going through race by race, go through all the horses, their form, which is... The most important part, because you need to tell the punter who who can win and 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 what your assessment is of the race. What are the possible outcomes? What's going to what's going to unfold? Because there are, there's still a, a very large listening audience, so you can watch the TV as much as you like. But if you want to hear how horses have you know been leading into the prep or how they're um, you know, lead up to the race has been, you, you need to listen to, to all the information that's being put out. So I basically go through race race by race and I'll look at whether or not the jockey's going to have a first win or, or the horse is first up or it's by So You Think or whatever little bits of information I can plug and, and use to, to to call on the day. You've just got to have everything under wraps because as soon as you let something slip, you'll just be really hard on yourself and you'll say well I I should have known that, I should have known that beforehand.
1: Have you always had a great recall, a great memory if your mum says hey can you go down to the shops and get me X, Y, Z, do you have to write it down, can you remember everything all the time? No, shocking,
0: absolutely shocking, (laughs) terrible if mum said get milk, bread uh, coffee uh, I'd remember the milk and that's about it. (laughs) So how do you remember the colours, is it just repetition repetition, repetition? Yes it is all repetition and and you think that maybe it's it's easy to go through one race and then remember all those colours, go to the next race, remember all the colours, but it's actually forgetting. It's forgetting the race beforehand because you know the colours that we've got, some are owners, some are uh, trainers' colours, you've got uh, horses that will have the same sets of silks for six of the races and they might have stable mates that have white caps and, and purple caps. And you you actually have to forget the race beforehand to when you come into the next one you've you've got um you know the updated sheet in in your brain so it's it is repetition and the art of remembering all those colors or, or the practice of remembering all those colors continually improves the more you do it the better you get at it the sharper you get at it and
1: the better the calling is With uh, Ethan Mills, young race caller. We'll take a quick break. I'll get to a few few more of your SMSs. uh, 0412633. Sorry, that's my number. (laughs) I better not give that out. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) 0416905052. Oh, that could have ended rather badly. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, Ethan will come back after this. I want to talk to him about how he handles the pressure and what could be a very exciting uh, new assignment as well. All that after this. Stay informed about the state of racing with RSN's Racing Pulse. Great to have your company on Racing Pulse and great to have the company of Ethan Mills, young race caller who is in the studio with me. and. Uh, Ethan, we were just talking off air then about your family connection to racing, your grandfather and what your brother does now and what you used to do, which is, I think a lot of people who are general punters don't have a great grasp of what a a valet does for a jockey. Can you explain that? Yeah, so mum's side, the the Newmans were
0: um, in racing ever since they were little and you know, my dad's side was in racing ever since they were little and Vin was uh, wasn't in a racing family but he always loved the horses and when he got a little bit older he was i think he might have just been looking for a bit of work but brett Preble said uh, hey vin would you want to work for me in the jockey's room when i come back from hong kong and Vin said yep no worries so a valet is when you um you are responsible for all of a riders equipment on the race day so that's everything from their their whips their silks their saddles the pads that go on the horses you weigh them out for for their races and you know whatever respective races they're in they might have four or five rides so you you're making up their four or five saddles you'll clean all of their gear take home all of their gear and basically responsible for everything that they wear on a race day and my brother went uh went with vin to to start practicing the, the valeting and he was with with craig in the early 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 days and he still is now vin kept kicking on for a little while and he said he had to give it up so patrick and i took over for a little while i was working with uh ollie for for a short period about a, a year and year and year and a half and patrick's still working with craig John McNeil, and damian lane and it's, uh, it's an amazing job. It's so niche. There's a, a handful of uh, other um, valets with, with Connor Dean and, and Jordan Dean and, and, and their brother Dylan. So there's a, a tight little group in the jockey's room and you don't see too many other faces besides jockeys in, in there, but you'll you'll always see a valet taking four or five bags out of yeah. Flemington and the jockey's hands free.
1: And and I suppose it'd be a fair bit of pressure as well. Like you might get situations where whoever you're working for, they're in a pressure cooker environment and tempers may get frayed and things go well, things go wrong. Well, they're basically flushed out all of their fluids. They've
0: been riding 500 kilo Mm. thoroughbreds and... Their fuses are fairly short, so you've got to be quick, you've got to be
1: sharp, and you can't make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's great preparation for race calling. Uh, how do you deal with that pressure when you're behind the microphone?
0: I, I usually just block out as much as I can, emotion-wise. I, I try and you know keep 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 it lively and, and keep it entertaining, and keep to the five vows of broadcasting, which is um, accurate, entertaining informative original and understood those are the things you need to have in the back of your mind but the pressure is it's you against you it's it's a battle that you have in your mind constantly leading up to a big event so for my first two races at moe i was shaking in my boots i was terrified and uh, terry said terry bailey said "Uh, you're here mate i said yeah i'm coming up now he says well just do a little interview with with racing.com i had no idea what i was you know, in four and I was as nervous as anyone, but you just fight against yourself and, and you know that it's a great opportunity. This is what you wanted to do. And there's, there's basically two mindsets. You have one corner saying, oh, don't, don't stuff up Etho. Don't mm. stuff up. The other side saying, this is a great opportunity. Yep. This is what you wanted, Ethan. So it's a battle between yourself and it's just the most rewarding feeling when, when it's over, when you, do it right and you do the, the race justice or you do the event justice. It is the most fulfilling job and, and it's just kept ticking over for me and that's
1: why I keep love doing keep keep doing it. I love this SMS. What are some of Ethan's all time favorite calls? Surely Greg's call of Redutes in the Guineas would be up there. Yeah. Yeah, straight away. Uh, no, my my favorite from Greg is
0: Lon Rose, yep. Australian Cup. I've listened to that about 480 times and found a Claire, obviously with Craig taking out the Melbourne yep. cup for the first time and Bill Collins, his call of bone crusher in the 1987, I think it was 87 Australian cup, Australian cup against Actalic. Those are my three favorite calls, but, I'm not going to split them. I don't want to say who's mm. better than the other, but I really love Bill's. I think the Bill, three elite calls. I think Bill's calls were amazing. He was sharp. He was, his, you know, turn of phrase was amazing, and I see why Greg and Matt, yeah. you know, took a little bit of a feather
1: out of out of his cap. That was a brilliant call, and it's almost underrated because it's overshadowed by. Bone crusher, our Waverly star. But when he says the champ's going to need to be everything we thought he, he could to get up from here, and he hits the <laughs> desk on the line, it was a, a great call. Um, a few other SMSs coming through here. Uh, what a confident young man, Ethan, is very impressive. He even has a Craig Williams Twain. <laughs> That's from Rusty. <laughs> hey, the next stage the next phase is super exciting because you may have an overseas assignment yes so i've been offered to call the final chapter of
0: singapore racing in uh, 2024 so we're in the concluding stages of of confirming all of it i've got to go a few go over a few more things but i would more than likely be leaving either early or mid-december and i'll be there
1: till end of october how exciting is that? I know it'll be tinged with sadness because you'll be there as, <laughs> as the history and the sport um, works its way towards its completion. But to get that opportunity and to be the history, uh, the voice of history on the final meeting as well, have you even started to contemplate that? No, not really. I've just got to concentrate on getting them right, getting, <laughs> <laughs> getting the
0: horses right and, um, yeah, just worry about doing the job. Do you still have a bet? I have a little investment. Here What's and it there. like calling a race that you may have had a bet in? No, never. I'll never bet on a on a race that I um, am calling. I think it's so distracting. I did it once in a practice practice go at Caulfield. I was in between races I thought, oh, I like this horse. I might put $5, $10 on and as I came to the corner,
1: I was looking at one horse the entire yep. race. Yep i, I, I there the, were the stories that you hear of of Bill Collins again back in the day like you a massive tell. punter yeah you can um tell. I don't know how they would do it themselves, and then you go through someone like b m Brian Martin who's calling his own horse Fields of Omar and Cox plates mm. as well. I would have found that the
0: toughest task to call to call a Cox plate with your horse right in the finish, what was it three times mm. or, or um two or three times. Fields of Omar was an amazing horse, Craig. Road in a cox blade and, and one on
1: fields of omar so it's um it's a good problem to have what are your goals ambitions for your career are there bucket list items that you want to tick off well i, I really just wanted to call a group one race that was my my
0: first goal when i started to practice race calling but you know i i'd love to call a melbourne cup that's that's the dream for any race commentator not just race caller but a broadcaster to be involved with the melbourne cup carnival i was a tiny part with channel 10 doing their running numbers for this year and and the previous so to being a part of the carnival it's so exciting and i just want to be a part of it more and i think if i can call a group one race it'll be a
1: massive tick and uh only onwards and upwards from here it's a tough Industry, it's a tough caper, isn't it? Because there aren't that many jobs out there for professional race callers. And to see all of you together yesterday was a a great snapshot of of the future that we have coming through. So many young, engaged callers of the future, which is great to see. Well, they're not only just a great bunch of race
0: callers, but they're a great bunch of blokes. They're all, you know, there to to help each other out. And there's there's no, you know, sign of, um, you know anyone trying to be better than one or the other we're all in the same boat we're at different stages in our calling careers and you know massive age gaps there's myself i'm 20 josh is 21 and a few of the other boys dane and patrick are around our age but then you you get to ed sadler ben spoor they've been calling for a long time and and they're still trying to you know get get more opportunities trav newton's been here in rsn and he's picking up as 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 much as uh, as much as you can. And that's the same story with all of us. We're just trying to, to grab any opportunity that come out, that comes our way.
1: Yep. Uh, Ethan, uh, you're doing your family proud uh, and yourself, and um, it's going to be a great experience, a great adventure heading over to Singapore. So we'll keep in contact, and we wish you well there as well. I might get you to help us out here. We've got a, a $100 gift voucher for Rubiras for the Simply Sensational Performance of the Week. There's a few. I'll, I'll let you choose the winner. The performance of the week surely goes to Ollie, he has continually set a solid farewell pace at watering holes all around South <laughs> Melbourne and Albert Park in the past week. Uh, there's another one saying, my highlight of the week, definitely Brenton Abdallah riding four winners in Hong Kong. Well done, mate. Another one here saying, uh, my highlight was listening to David Gately on Saturday when he was asked to comment after a Sydney race. He said, let's not complicate it. The horse was faster than the others. <laughs> I love the way he simplifies everything in racing. Of those three, who wins the Simply Sensational Race? Ribeira's hundred dollar voucher. I'm going to say
0: Ollie. Ollie can take yep. it out. Yep, he's uh, been under so much stress, media pressure, left, right, and centre. And that's not like Ollie, as we all know. He, he'd rather go out with a whisper, but he's done the industry a, a massive job. And I think he, you know, any rewards, even if it is a, a small hundred hundred dollar gift voucher, I think it. Um, it's,
1: um, you know, well-fitted for, for Ollie. Another good call from you, Ethan. So, uh, well done to Peter, who sent that text message in. You've won the $100 gift voucher for Root Beerers. Uh, Ethan, great to get you in the studio, mate. Well done yesterday to you and your fellow race callers. And, mate, good luck with the, the big Singapore gig. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me.